Let's pray and then let's, let's get to work. Father, we come to you today in Jesus' name and Lord, recognize that, Lord, accept you through the Holy Spirit, open our eyes and help us to see uh, your truth will just waste our time, it'll be vain labor. But Lord, you can help us to see what your word says and, and, and see how it applies to our lives to see how we need correction or how we need encouragement. Lord, we wanna see Jesus in Genesis, and so Lord, we need eyes to see that. And so God, we're asking for your help this morning. We don't ever wanna come to the place where we're not teachable, where we can't learn, where we can't grow. And so, Lord, help us to humble ourselves this morning and and Lord, uh, to take you at your word in full faith that what you said uh, what, what your word declares is growing us in our relationship with you, but also, uh, Lord, it's, there, there are promises there that, that we can trust you for in our own lives. And so, God, we need you this morning. And uh, we're trusting that you'll have your way with every heart. If there's somebody here that does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, then, God, I'm asking that you'd pour out your spirit and conviction. Help, help us to see the salvation picture that's playing out here in this portion of Genesis. Help us to see the, 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 the work of Christ in leading us to the acknowledging of sin and, and in repentance, crying out to the Lord Jesus for mercy, forgiveness, and salvation. God, you do all things well. Thank you for Genesis. Thank you for how rich and the, and the truths that, that so richly apply to our lives. We're grateful this morning. We give you praise all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, here in Genesis chapter 42, we're gonna see Joseph's family driven to desperation. And, and the, you know, the, the, the story that we're looking at here is, is really a story of how God's using this famine to bring Israel into Egypt under the leadership of Joseph. Uh, this, they would grow as a nation, they would remain there some 400 years as God prophesied to Abraham In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13, we've already seen that this day would come. Genesis 15, 13, God says to Abram, verse 13, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years, and also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. All right, so here we are in Genesis chapter 42. We see the beginning of this now taking place. Uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna just label verses one through 17. We're gonna label this section bound brethren. Uh, they're at a place now where they, they have no choice, figuratively. They're bound to go to Egypt, but then also we'll see, literally, they end up in, in bondage. Verse one, now when Jacob saw there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, behold, I've heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. So Jacob chooses boys out. It's time to get to work, right? Looking at each other starving isn't actually accomplishing anything. Uh, you, You know, if you're hungry, you gotta get to work. You gotta do the things that procure the resources that your family needs. And so he's calling them out. Verse three, and Joseph's 10 brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt, 
But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, lest peradventure mischief befall him. So he doesn't have trust regarding this other son of his favorite wife, right? He, he you know, somehow he had sent his, his son Joseph to check on his brethren and, and uh, they brought back a bloody coat. Uh, so maybe there's, you know, there's a trust issue. Maybe, maybe deep down inside he's got a suspicion about the hatred of his boys for, for his son J- J- Joseph. And so he, he won't send Benjamin. Uh, he doesn't want anything to happen to him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. So here's Joseph, again, don't miss this. He, his life, his, his ministry, he is a picture, he is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's involved in making sure that life is supplied to the needy. People who are desperate to receive life, what do they have to do? They have to come to Joseph. They can't, they, I mean, the whole entire civilized world is in the middle of a drought that's gonna kill everything and everybody. The only place that anyone can go is to Joseph. If they want life, they have to come to Joseph. So also Christ. So Joseph's brethren came, verse six, and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. So remember this prophecy, Joseph's dream, it's, it's now beginning to be fulfilled in real time. Look back at Genesis, keep a finger here, look back at Genesis 37, five. Genesis 37, five, Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed for behold, We were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaf stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, okay, all he does is tell the dream. He doesn't give the interpretation of the dream. The brothers absolutely, implicitly understand what the dream means, and they rebuke him for it. Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us, and they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. So notice, the dream was what? Sheaves, his sheaf stands upright and the other sheaves bow before it. So it's a dream about food, right? It's a, it's a dream about dominion regarding food and, and now here we are in the middle of a famine and now Joseph's brethren are bowing before them, why? Well, because they need sheaves, <laughs> they need food. And Joseph has it, he has the supply. So what does Joseph do? He sees this, he, so get this down in your notes. He continues to operate in faith in God's original vision for his life. He recognizes now is the time where my brothers are about to come under my rule. In verse six, they're bowing down before Joseph in fulfillment of God's dream for him, for Joseph and his family. And we know by comparing scripture with scripture that the whole family will have to bow and we'll see this actually play out in real time as we go through Genesis. The whole family will be prostrate before Joseph. Um, I gave you the cross reference there, you can check it out, Genesis 42 and 37, you'll see everything lines up. But here we are, verse seven. Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them, but but made himself strange unto them and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, whence come ye? 
And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. So he sees them, he recognizes them, and he makes himself strange to them. He, in other words, he makes himself completely Egyptian to them, okay? He doesn't look like a Hebrew. He's not acting like a Hebrew. He's not talking like a Hebrew. Um, he's mastered the Egyptian language. He's, 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 he's speaking with a local dialect. They don't recognize him. And what he does is he, he's testing them. He's accusing them. Four times he accuses them of being spies. Now, the whole time, he cares for them. Okay, and we're gonna see that revealed, that his heart is yearning on these guys that he's treating roughly. But he's gonna treat them roughly. They're, they're afraid that they're gonna, I mean, his brothers are literally afraid that they're gonna die at his hand, okay? He's very rough with them, but underneath that roughness is a great yearning, a great desire, a great heart for his brethren. Don't miss this, okay? This plays into how Joseph is a perfect type of Christ. So, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to someone that, that, for all they know, is dead, right? Uh, we'll see that in verse 13. But Joseph knows that his family has to come under his rulership, under his dominion. Look at verse 8. His brethren say, um, I'm sorry, verse, uh, yeah, verse 8. Um, Okay, I, I, I thought I, sometimes in my notes, I'll put a verse somewhere, and then I think it's in another place, and then I can't find it for a second. But here it is, okay, verse eight. And Joseph knew his brethren, so he knows them, but don't miss this, they don't know him, right? They knew him not. So get this down, verse eight, they did not recognize him. Israel did not recognize Jesus the first time he was revealed to them, but Israel will recognize Jesus the second time that he's revealed to them. Well, okay, so this is why Joseph, when his brethren come, right, when Joseph is revealed the first time, they don't recognize him for who he is. But in the second visitation, they will absolutely see Joseph for who he is. Okay, well, that's how it works with Christ and Israel. In Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 25 that we should not be ignorant uh, you get this, related to prophecy in the Bible in, in a few places. We're commanded not to be ignorant concerning prophetic things, and, and, and Israel coming into national salvation is one of those things. I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. The fullness of the Gentiles is the time where Israel is is suffering, they're laboring under Gentile dominion, okay? So from the time where uh, the 10 tribes to the north, the Assyrians take uh, Israel into captivity, Babylon takes Judah into captivity, all the way until the time where Christ comes to set up his thousand year reign. This is known as the, biblically as the times of the Gentile, where on the world stage, we see Gentile dominion or Gentile rule and Israel has to function in a place subordinate to that, whether they're in the land as a nation or uh, they're scattered, right? They're dispersed among the nations. These are the times of the Gentiles. But once that time is finished, 
Okay, what finishes the time of the Gentiles is whenever the, the church age comes to fruition, it comes to completion, the harvest of the souls into the bride of Christ is complete. There'll be more tribulation saints that come to Christ during the time of great tribulation. But after the rapture of the church, what now begins to unfold is the end of Gentile dominion and the rule and reign of Christ for a thousand years. And when that takes place, verse 36 says, and so all Israel shall be saved. They will come under, Israel as a nation will come under the rule of Jesus as their true Messiah. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Israel, when they see him the second time, they will receive him for who he is. And this is what we'll see when we get to Genesis chapter 45, when his brethren see Joseph for the second time in the second visitation, Joseph cannot refrain himself, Genesis 45, one. Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him, and he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Uh, Stephen, Deacon Stephen, says it this way in Acts chapter seven, verse 13, and at the second time, Joseph was made known unto his brethren. Don't miss that picture of Israel before Joseph, right? The, 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 the brothers of Israel, this is, you know, the family is called Israel now already, right? Jacob's name got changed, remember that. Israel is now recognizing Joseph in the second visitation. Israel as a nation today will recognize Jesus at his second coming. All Israel shall be saved. Is everybody clear on that? Uh, there it is, that'll be the end of the times of the Gentiles. But don't miss this, okay, Pink does a really good job of this, talking about how this is common in the nation of Israel, and, and, um, and this was really eye-opening to me whenever I read Pink on this. He says that this is a common reoccurrence. Think about Moses. Uh, Moses, in zeal for his brethren, right? I mean, somebody's getting mistreated, mishandled by uh, an Egyptian overseer, and, and uh, he ends up killing the guy and burying him in the sand, and, and then the two Israelis are fighting with each other and, and, and what does he do? He tries to be a mediator, he tries to intervene and, and uh, they're like, who made you to be a ruler over us? Are you gonna kill us like you killed the, you know. Uh, the Israel as a people could not recognize Moses as their deliverer the first time he attempted, okay? But man, when God sends him, sends him back uh, to, to bring his people out of captivity, whenever God brings him to the place where he is now revealed as their deliverer, all Israel follows him. Same thing with Joshua. 12 spies go out to spy out the land of Canaan and Joshua is one of two who come back with a good report, the rest have an evil report and what was Israel's response to Joshua? Man, let's get full of faith guys, let's take the land that God's promised us. With God we're, you know, with God all things are possible, let's do it. I'm sharpening my spear right now. No, they, like, you're gonna get us killed. They rejected Joshua outright, but after the death of Moses, they recognize him as their true leader, as their Joshua, as their Jesus, and so he leads them into conquest and victory into the promised land. Same thing with David. David, after his anointing, he's sent by his father to check on his brothers. What do his brethren do? They reject him. You know, you're a naughty child, and you know, I mean, they, they despise him. They completely reject him, and, and you know, man, after some rough treatment of David, eventually uh, the rule of Saul comes to a close, and David is anointed as king, and his brethren, all together with Israel, own him as king. 
right? They own him as their king. So, you know, in all of those situations, you've got pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ and the nation of Israel, who at the first revelation, at the first, you know, at the first showing, you should see this guy for who he is, your leader, they outright reject him. But in the second showing, in the second visitation, Israel receives them. And so that is a principle as you study the life of the nation of Israel. It's always in the second visitation that they come to truth. Don't miss the salvation picture here though. Joseph's brethren, along with the rest, the entire rest of the civilized world, they're completely destitute. They live in a land where there is now no food. There is no way that the land can sustain them. There's no way that they can keep living. They're dead men walking. They cannot provide for themselves. No matter what they try, they cannot cannot find and secure and provide life for themselves. They have no power to save themselves from the certain death to come. They try to buy salvation from Joseph, but they can't. They try to pay for salvation, remember that? But the, but the money comes back to them, why? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we're saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Too many people go through life trying to earn favor with God. My good works make God my debtor. God now, ha- now God owes me salvation. He owes me a place in heaven. It doesn't work that way. You are completely destitute. Nothing in terms of who you are, what you can do. You cannot provide for your own salvation in any way. It is a gift of God. So in faith, receive it. You are destitute outside of Christ. You are lost in your sin. And brothers and sisters, the wages of sin is death. And death and hell, according to scripture, are cast into a lake of fire. It is a place where the worm dies not. It is a place of eternal suffering. And now outside of of Christ, as your redeemer, as your savior, as your sin bearer, as the reconciler of your life back to God, there is no hope for you. There is no salvation outside of the finished work and provision of Christ at Calvary. Without him, we're destitute, we're lost, we're dead men walking. Don't miss the salvation picture here. They try to buy it. We'll make our own way. No, you won't, not with Joseph, not with Jesus. You have to humble yourself before him and receive the life that he, that he freely offers. They try to boast in their own goodness as true men. Look at verse 11. Joseph remembered the dreams, verse nine, which he dreamed of them, and they said unto him, unto them, ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. And they said unto him, nay, my Lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. They call themselves Joseph's servants. We are all one man's sons, we are true men. Look at that, verse 11, we are true men, thy servants are no spies. So they, they're boasting in their own goodness as true men, and they end up, What they end up doing is revealing to Joseph that they're liars. We'll see this by the time we get to verse 13. Verse 12, he said unto them, nay, but to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. And they said, thy servants are 12 brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan, and behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. In other words, that's a way of saying one died. That's not what they know. What do they know? 
they know they sold their brother into slavery. That's what they know. And so now they're telling Joseph one is not. And that's the one they're talking to. <laughs> they don't even know it. Okay, of all of the people in the entire world that can know and prove that they're liars, it's one guy. His name is Joseph, okay? Uh, don't miss the picture of what's taking place here. Oh, we're true men, we're true men. Our works of righteousness should justify us before you, said the liar, right? That's what's, ta- that's what's happening. And it's proven out in verses 21 and 23. The one man that can know they're liars is Joseph himself, so also Christ. He knows, he knows us, he knows what we really are. Do not turn to your neighbor and call him a liar. Just know in your heart it's true, okay? It's right there. One is not, this is a lie. They're talking to the one that they said is dead. It's not the whole truth. So what's happening here? Joseph is working. I mean, don't miss it. It's, it's, it's brilliant, it's genius, it's cruel, it's awesome. It's righteous. Joseph is working to entrap his brothers and as a picture of Christ, get this down in your notes, Joseph must bring his brothers to the acknowledging of sin and to repentance. Whenever the Jews of the dispersion heard Peter's message on the day of Pentecost and and Peter tells them, Jesus, their Messiah, you crucified him. They were smitten in their heart, you know, like, what do we do, right? What do we do? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a repentance that's taking place. What? They're acknowledging sin, and Peter leads them to Christ. Joseph brings his brothers to the acknowledging of sin and to repentance. You know, Joseph sees the, the, the brothers there, but Benjamin is not with them, and he has to be asking himself, did they kill him? You know, have they, have, they, have they done away with him? What's going on with my brother Joseph? Why isn't, why, or Benjamin, why isn't Benjamin with them? And so he is going to force them to reveal their brother. Verse 14, Joseph said unto them, that is it that I spake unto you, saying ye are spies. This is why. Right, hereby shall you be proved. You say you're not spies, then here's how you're gonna prove it. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go forth hence, except, except, your bro, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you. Or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. I mean, talk about a strong oath that he's making. I am, I am staking Pharaoh's life, right? But Pharaoh's life on this outcome. These are big words, these are bold words. You know, on the life of Pharaoh, which is in Egypt, is sacred, right? Uh, We're gonna find out if you're spies. And he put them all together into ward. He imprisoned them, how long? Uh, There it is again, three days. Uh, Don't miss that, three days. Uh, they're, They're dead men, three days, they're hopeless. So Joseph treats them this way, again, to bring them to a place where they're gonna acknowledge their sin in repentance and it will ultimately lead to them being restored to a right God-ordained relationship with their brother Joseph. You know, anytime, I mean, it always works this way. It was this way in my own life. Before God reconciled me as a lost sinner, 
back into a saving relationship with God through Jesus Christ, uh, he first convinced me of the terror of judgment. Uh, it was brutal. The, the, I'm, I, I, will, I will remember it vividly for the rest of my life, that, that coming to that recognition that I have sinned against a holy God, that my sin damns me to an eternal hell. And what a relief it was to recognize the sufficiency of the gospel that God loved me and was not willing that I would perish and that Christ bore my sin, the sin that separated me from God. He bore it to the cross of Calvary, nailed it to his tree. He suffered the Father's wrath in my place. Man, praise the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, death could not hold him. He suffered, he died, he was buried, right? All of that was for my sin. But on the third day, he rose to eternal life. What, death can't hold the creator. It's by his own power that he raised again. The price was paid. The infinite God gives himself for Adam's race. Okay, that's great, but, but without him, there can be no life. And so he's risen to life eternal, and now, now you and I, we can join him in that? Man, I clung to salvation. I clung to the good news of the gospel. It works this way in the life of the believer. First, you gotta see the wrong that you've done and that it separates you from God. If you can't see that, you can't be saved. Well, whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I remember doing that. Why did you do it? Why did you call on the name of the Lord? If you're calling on the name of the Lord because he owes you a place in heaven, I got news for you. You didn't study your Bible the way that you're supposed to. You're not saved. You are yet in your sin and it separates you from a holy God. Why did you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Man, I know why I did. I was a sinner in desperate need of a savior. That's why I called on him. Praise the Lord, God had mercy on me. He forgave my sin, he had to. He promised that he would in his word. I'm so grateful. He always, there's always the, 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 prospect, the prospect of judgment, eternal damnation before we get the good, that, this is why the gospel is good news, right? We get the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so don't miss this. Joseph is the cause of all of their trouble, all of their woe. He's punishing them for their past dealings of himself. You know, that shows you the picture, that shows you uh, what's really taking place in the life of the nation of Israel. All of Israel's sufferings in the, I mean, think about the centuries from the captivity by Assyria and Babylon, uh, the sacking of Jerusalem in 70 AD, Israel being dispersed into the nations after the death and crucifixion, uh, the, the, the killing of their Messiah. All of these things, right, what are they? It's Jesus dealing hardly, uh, roughly, with the Jewish people. Check out Hosea 9, verse seven. Hosea 9, verse seven. Again, this is dealing with the nation of Israel. My God shall cast them away because they did not hearken unto him and they shall be wanderers among the nations. What is that? That's God chastising the nation of Israel. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 23, verse 34. Behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them ye shall scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Why, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the, 
from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Bacharet. I can't even say the word. Bacharias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them, which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered you, right? How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Do you see that? What's Jesus saying? God's saying, I'm trying to have a right relationship with you. You're rebelling to the point where you're killing the vessels, you're persecuting the vessels that I'm using to bring you to a place of right relationship with me. So you will not see me until the day where all Israel will be saved. In Romans chapter 11, all Israel will be saying, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So the only thing that you can account for the sufferings of the nation of Israel during these these centuries is the Lord is dealing hardly. He's, He's chastising his chosen people. He's disciplining them and he's preparing them to receive him. And this is what Joseph is doing. He's disciplining, he's dealing roughly with his brethren, why? So that they will gladly receive him when the time comes. Okay, so verses 18 through 25, we're gonna title this section, Burdened Brethren. Verse 18, and Joseph said unto them the third day, this do and live. On the third day, there's a hope for life. Again, don't miss the picture, third day. For I fear God. If ye be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses. Okay, is this ringing a bell? What's he saying to them? Just abandon one of your brothers. Right, if you're, if you're true men, just abandon one of your brothers. Go home, take, take corn, but bring your youngest brother unto me so shall your words be verified and you shall not die. And they did so, they did abandon their brother. (laughs) They said one to another, we are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. So they're rightly recognizing the chickens have come home to roost. Their sin is finding them out. And Reuben answered them saying, spake I not unto you saying, do not sin against the child and you would not hear? Therefore behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. This is part of him making himself strange to them. So he, he's working a ruse, right? He cares for his brothers. Um, he understands, they think that they're having a private conversation. <laughs> they're not. He knows, he sees, I mean, he knows everything. He sees everything. But now they're acknowledging their sin. They recognize that this is a deadly situation, that they're in retribution over their treatment of Joseph. They now know it. Our sin is finding us out. They know that they're in a similar situation, that they have to bring Benjamin away from their father, and how can they do this? They're in a hopeless, no-win situation. And again, Joseph wanted to see, would you sell out your brother to live? 
So Joseph sees all of this. Look at his heart for his brethren in verse 24. He turned himself about from them and wept and returned to them again and communed with them and took from them uh, Simeon and bound him before their eyes. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way and thus he did unto them. So here in verses 24 and 25, Joseph has compassion, don't miss this, he has some compassion on his brethren in the face of their repentant attitude. In other words, he's, he's already beginning to meet them in the condition, in the place of their repentant heart. He's already working with them. In our distress, right, when we, when we see our sin laid bare before Jesus, God has compassion on us. But notice it's Simeon that he puts in prison. Why Simeon? Well, you remember Simeon, I mean, he, this guy, he's a bad mammer jammer. Remember that time he killed a whole town? Uh, he's, he's at the forefront of the persecution of Joseph, and so, so Joe's like, oh, which one? Will? Of course he picks Simeon, <laughs> and he's got him bound. Simeon's a bad dude, okay? So he needs, some, he needs an extra measure of chastisement to bring him to a place of full repentance. But again, notice all of this happens on the third day. Some find life, some find bondage. He doesn't take their money in supplying their need. And, and it is interesting, you'll see a parallel with how Christ, he's dealing roughly with Israel nationally, but he's still having compassion on them. In Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 11, the promise of the Lord is, I am with thee, saith the Lord, to save thee. Jeremiah 30 verse 11. Though I make a full end of all nations, whither I have scattered thee, yet will I not make a full end of thee. But I will correct thee in measure, and I will not leave thee altogether unpunished. You've got this coming. It's gonna be rough, but I'll preserve you through it. In Ezekiel 11, verse 16, thus saith the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the heathen, and although I have scattered, scattered them among the countries, Yet will I be to them a little sanctuary in the countries where they shall come. I'll provide for you, even in the midst of the chastisement and the trial, right? The correction that I'm bringing, the discipline that I'm bringing upon you. Do you see that? I'm roughing you up, but the whole time I'm loving you, I'm sustaining you, I'm providing for you, I'm taking care of you. Why? I'm going to restore you. So also, Joseph with his brethren. All right, so. We'll, we'll wrap up the chapter here in verses 26 through 38. We're gonna call this section, we'll title it, Bewildered Brethren. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful picture. They laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the inn, he espied his money, for behold, it was in his sack's mouth. And he said unto his brethren, my money is restored. And lo, it is even in my sack and their heart failed them, and they were afraid, saying one to another, don't miss this, what is this that God hath done unto us? <laughs> right? Joseph did it to them. Again, you know, the, so you can't miss the picture of Joseph as a type of Christ himself, but, but as far as his brethren are concerned, they see the hand of God in all of this, right? We are being punished for our sin. What is this that God hath done to us? Joe did it to them. Joe's a type of Christ. And verse 28's key. They now know they face certain death. Now they're gonna be marked as thieves, not true men. And Canaan, 
where they cannot provide for themselves, they can't provide life for themselves, they're marked for certain death. If they come back to Egypt, they'll be tried and executed as the thieves that they were. Don't miss this, they are thieves. And Joseph wants them to see it. What did they do? They stole Joseph from their father. They did that years ago. They stole him from from his family. Verse 29, they came unto Jacob, their father, unto the land of Canaan and told him all that befell unto them, saying, the man who is the Lord of the land spake roughly to us and took us for spies of the country. And we said unto him, we are true men, we are no spies. We be 12 brethren, sons of our father, one is not, and the youngest is this day with our father in the land of Canaan. And the man, the Lord of the country, said unto us, hereby shall I know that ye are true men. Leave one of your brethren here with me and take food for the famine of your households and be gone. And bring your youngest brother unto me. Then shall I know that ye are no spies, but that ye are true men. So I will deliver, I will deliver you your brother and ye shall traffic in the land. And it came to pass as they emptied their sacks that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when both they and their father saw the bundles of, of money, they were afraid. And Jacob their father said unto them, Men, or me, have ye, re, have ye bereaved of my children? Joseph is not, and Simeon is not. In other words, what is he saying? Remember, we're, we're, the son, we're 12 brethren, we're the sons of one man, uh, one is not. That's a way of saying he's dead. What's, what's Jacob now saying? Simeon is not. So I've lost Joseph, I've lost Simeon, he's dead. In other words, you're not going back. He's just gonna leave Simeon for dead. And you will take Benjamin away? All these things are against me. And Reuben spake unto his father, saying, slay my two sons if I bring him not to thee. Deliver him into my hand, and I will bring him to thee again. So you know, Reuben is messed up, but he's sincere, you know. Uh, slay my sons, that's messed up. But he is, he is sincere in that he's growing. He's gonna be, fa- he's, his promise is fidelity to his father. And he said, my son shall not go down with you, for his brother is dead, and he is left alone. If mischief befall him by the way in which he should go, in which he go, then shall you bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Again, what's happening? Joseph with his brethren, just like God with you and I, with the nation of Israel, he works to bring us to the end of ourselves. Eventually, they're gonna recognize they're dead anyway. That's what, they're gonna, that's what comes next. They're gonna recognize that they're dead anyway. And so what hope is there but to go to Joseph? Can I just tell you, outside of Christ, you're dead anyway? God loves you, he proved it at Calvary. Why won't you just humble yourself and call on the Lord Jesus Christ? Give up the works of righteousness that you think you're doing. God's perspective on the good deeds that you're doing, all of our righteousnesses before God, the book of Isaiah tells us there is filthy rags in the sight of God. There's only one righteous. And the only way to a right relationship with the Father is through him, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the brothers see the hand of God moving against them. They're already acknowledging their crime against their little brother Joseph. They're already acknowledging, right? They're already copying to the fact they didn't treat him right because of his dreams. Uh, so so there, this is the first test, but there has to be two, okay? 
Uh, that's, that's the way it works with the nation of Israel. They always fail the first test, uh, but at the second test, uh, there is restoration. Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. And Lord, what's true of the nation of Israel is not necessarily true of us individually as Gentiles. The scripture is very clear that we should call on you today. Today is the day of salvation. We're to call on you while it's called today. So many people think that they'll have another chance uh, that, that they can deny Christ today and then tomorrow receive him. Lord, we acknowledge today is the day of salvation. If there be any here today who do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord, would you pour out your spirit on them in conviction. Lord, help them to see their desperate need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help them to see your desperate love for them your provision for them at Calvary. Lord, if there's any believer here today who is rebelling against Jesus, against the word of Christ, and Lord, I guess you could make a case for who of us is not in some way, on some level, but Lord, um, those who have proverbially, you know, gotten the bit in their teeth, so to speak. They're, they're, they're going away that's right in their own eyes and they're not submitted to Christ but, but really are listening to a spirit of antichrist. I pray that today would be, be a day of, of repentance and submission. Uh, we get saved by grace through faith. We have to live the same way. Uh, the salvation is through Christ alone. Well, Christian living is through Christ alone. Uh, Lord, none of us can live according to the design that you've built us, uh, built us by, can be saved by grace through faith and then live our life in the works of the flesh and be satisfied and be happy and be fulfilled and please your heart. And so Lord, you're worth being right with. I pray that today we'd see that and we'd submit ourselves, we'd humble ourselves. God, I'm asking that you'll have your way with every heart, and I'm asking it in Jesus' name, amen.